Welcome to the After Credits Podcast, where we talk about the movies and the TV shows you love, even if we don't exactly love them. In this episode, we'll be talking about the HBO hit show, Game of Thrones, and its upcoming seventh season. Stay tuned. an intro we just had there uh pretty long intro but it's gotta be long for the game of thrones special podcast for the after credit show uh like i don't know it's it's season seven's about to start right now i'm really excited are you guys excited we're super excited who's not excited for a game of thrones whenever a new season comes out man yeah dude like I don't know how many years has it been since like the very first episode of Game of Thrones. I think it was like it's new when we started college, right? So it was like eight years ago. How no. old? How old were we back then? I don't know. I was like sixteen, seventeen. <laughs> we were like seventeen. Seventeen. We're, we're baby. We were babies. Yeah. We were basically babies. And then like with that, with like technically the last season, well, well, the first half of the last season of Game of Thrones. I'm really excited to it, but first, uh, let's let's have a quick refresher course to what's going to happen to what happened with Game of Thrones. So let's start with you, Nige. Uh Okay, so starting from the north. Um, so in the north, uh, we currently have Jon Snow and Sansa reconquering the north from the Boltons with Peter Baelish there, plotting and all of his plots just there, um, and then Bran Stark one of the only other remaining alive Starks is currently just north of the wall. However, he's still unconscious after witnessing the, uh, what is, which is being heavily implied as a confirmation of the, uh, Rhaegar and Lyanna, uh, uh, conceiving Jon Snow in the, in the, in the tower. Uh, however, he's still unconscious from warging into, into the past like that. And, Mira, who's his guardian, has met up with 
a Benjen Stark who was who he previously thought was dead, like super dead. So that's really suspicious because cur- currently the only other instances of of uh, the dead coming back to life are either the the Lord of Light resurrecting them or the White Walkers resurrecting them as undead servants. So highly suspicious. Um, and then as we move down south, currently Cersei has taken complete control of King's Landing after slaughtering all of her enemies in a giant wildfire explosion um, with Jamie and Bronn just arriving into the Red Keep to watch her coronation. Um, we see... we. We also see that Arya Stark has now returned to Westeros from after receiving training to be an assassin. And we see her uh, finally get revenge for the Red Wedding by s- killing Walder Frey while he was eating breakfast. And putting his son in a pie. That's, yeah, that was fucked up. That was real fucked up. But that makes sense, considering what he did. Uh, what, uh, what am I missing, Rafi? Oh, yes. They'll probably the, the most important revelation for season seven. Daenerys Targaryen has finally, finally start set set sail for Westeros to reclaim her rightful throne. Uh, we see that she's gotten support from Olenna and Tyrell, the Queen of Thorns, uh, and the Dor- and the Dor- and the Kingdom of Dorne with the Martells lending their aid to their uh, their former liege lords, the, the Targaryens. Uh, with that, we see that there are the various plots that's that have been so f- for for the last six seasons been separate are starting to converge, and finally we're gonna reach the climax of the Game of Thrones. Yeah, but with that, you can sort of classify the two areas of Game of Thrones being the northern segment and the southern segment, with the the arrival of Daenerys and King's Landing and like the the White Walkers coming in from the north. Oh, so so let's start off with uh, our our predictions part of the podcast where we talk about predictions, theories, and the like. So let's start off with the south side first, uh, because uh, apparently based off the the season seven trailers, you'll probably see where most of the action will take place, particularly with Daenerys and her her plotline. So let's start off there. Rafi, do you have any uh, uh, theories you'd like to share about Daenerys? Well, right now, I think Daenerys Targaryen, where she is right now, is really, uh, is, is really interesting. Because where she is politically, it's very striking. Because she just came from Essos, where she didn't really do a lot of stuff politically. She did, but then not very good stuff. Yeah, she left it to her advisors yeah, most yeah, of the yeah, time. Left, yeah, and especially now that her advisor is Tyrion. It's going to be really interesting how that dynamic is going to work out. Especially now, how now she's in... How she's in Westeros now, and and Tyrion, who knows Westeros a lot, can can guide her, you know, in her uh, in her to what she she calls her birthright to the to the Iron Throne, and and I think um, now she's she's going, you know, she, she she's gonna uh, take Westeros by surprise because um, the only people who know her alive are only a few select people, and and I think that it's gonna be a really interesting scenario when she finally meets, you know, um, Cersei. Uh, Jamie and all the other major players of Westeros. Yeah, Nigel, what are your thoughts there? Well, yeah, actually, from what Rafi said, uh, Dar- Dario Naharis actually put it up, put it, put it really succinctly back in season six. So we ride from Marine, and after that, we sail for Westeros. And what then? I take what is mine. You weren't made to sit on a chair in a palace. 
What was I made for? You're a conqueror, Daenerys Stormborn. Yeah, which actually uh, kind of plays into my in, into one uh, a theory that I came across a couple of weeks ago uh, about Daenerys Targaryen's true purpose in 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 the world itself because um, she's actually uh, her her only purpose for the past for her entire life has been to sail back to Westeros and take back the Seven Kingdoms. However, um, there's a there's actually there was a woman back in season two, a mass woman, who uh, holds who actually uh, holds a lot of significance in the books. Uh, her name is Quaith. She's a mass she's a mass woman from Ashai. <laughs> you watch over her. Do I know you? I know you. Jorah Mormont of Fair Island. Who are you? I'm no one. But she is the mother of dragons. She needs true protectors now more than ever. They shall come day and night to see the wonder born into the world again. And when they see, they shall lust. For dragons are fire made flesh. And fire is power. So it's an interesting theory you got there, Nigel, because like this lady of uh, Karth, she's very, she's not really featured. She was only featured in like the second season. And I think, w what's your point there? Because like there's like a four season gap between uh, her and Daenerys. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, it was a lot more downplayed in the show. However, she does in the books it, in the books itself. She gives Daenerys two. Pro she gives Daenerys two prophecies that actually um foretell a lot of things and a lot of potential things that will happen in the uh, in that will tie into Daenerys Targaryen's purpose in the world itself the first prophecy is to go north you must journey south to reach the west you must go east to go forward you must go back and to touch the light you must pass beneath the shadow Danny takes this to mean that she must go to Ashai where this woman is from uh, and the the woman does tell her that what she will find in a shy is the truth. This is this is really significant because um, this hints to a lot of things to what to why to why Danny is actually put here, what Danny's actual purpose is. Because from what we've seen, as what Raffia said, that she's not really made to to be a ruler. Right when she did rule in the Slavers Bay, she she made a huge mess of things. But Nigel, but Nigel, if you watch this trailer for season seven, I mean, like it, it kind of contradicts your theory right there, man. I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms, and I will. That 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 contradicts nothing. She has not yet been to a shy. She does not know the truth yet. Your theory sucks, bro. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. Well, well, you, you know, Nigel, like your theory is really based on the books. Yeah, that's and, one of the problems. I think yeah. it's it's actually quite possible that that the show may have just chosen not to 
proceed yeah, to Yeah, and you know what they say about like theories <laughs> just solely based on books and to like people like us. Why ain't you running? Why well, can't read? <laughs> All right. I can't read, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think right now it's very interesting because like the, the last two seasons, including oh, this season and last season, they're going on Uncharted Waters. Like, um, even though the the show hasn't really followed the books um, quite faithfully, um, we really don't know what's going to happen this time. I mean, if you're a book reader, you have no more power over the non-book readers. You can't blackmail us with spoilers anymore. I mean, I, I mean, seriously. I mean, it's not just that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I like, I, I like how the show's going on despite you know George R. R. Martin's slow writing, <laughs> slow, slow yeah. publication of his books. And I, I, I think that's it's, it's, that's that's a really cool. Um, uh, it's it's a really cool dynamic, which 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 the 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 plot uh, the story where the story writers are going. Yeah, the tables have literally turned because like the people who really just like why can't read. I mean, these guys that can't read, <laughs> like they've always been under the subjugation of these these elitists, these one percenters who could read. Keep your political agenda out of this. All right. I mean, like. Like now, like it doesn't matter what you read because it's all about the show. That's what we care about. I, I disagree because there's still a clear cause and effect that's happening. But in any case, it really has no bearing on... Uh, it actually kind of ha- has no bearing for now because for now, she's, she's definitely in Westeros at this point because uh, within, the, within the season, we know that she's landed and has made her way to Dragonstone, right? Because as, as shown in the trailers. So and also a scene in the last year's after credits season finale, uh, spoiler pod, uh, theories podcast. I predicted that Daenerys first will land in Dragonstone because it's her ancestry, and she'd also do the planning thing because there was a nice table scene that they also showed in the season seven trailer. There, <laughs> nice table scene. All right, um, it's a really nice table. You should check it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, so all right. So okay, so right now we we know the names of the first three episodes of season seven. The start, the first one was. Uh, let me just check it. Um, the first episode is called Dragonstone. So uh, fairly obvious, Franco's right. She will land in Dragonstone. the The second one is called Stormborn, and the third one is Queen's the Queen's Justice. Okay, so. We can infer a couple of things. For, right, let's go one episode at a time. Uh, uh, just a general theme for all three episodes. They're clear, very clearly focused on Daenerys because they're all focused on stuff that, that are connected to her. So Dragonstone, um, is going to land in Dragonstone. What she's going to do in Dragonstone is very unclear because I don't know what's in Dragonstone will, at this moment. Do you think she will, arm, they, she will get supplies from Dragonstone, particularly the... The one, the what's the material you use to kill the the whites? Valyrian steel. No, no, not the Valyrian steel. The dragon dragon glass. glass yeah, ah, dragon glass. Yeah, yeah, right. There it is, dragon glass. So, do you think they will see in advance that there is going to be a fight, and it's only the only time that they'll feature Dragonstone in this series in this uh, season that they'll actually get some dragon glass to kill the whites and white mm. walkers. I don't know if it's gonna be an intentional thing. She might take some just because she might want to study the properties of Dragonfire, but it's going to be like some sort of uh, 
like a Chekhov's gun sort of situation where it's 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 introduced and then they don't talk about it for a while. Yeah. So it's, she's probably she probably brings some on her journey because my theory is after this episode, um, she's going to start marching across Westeros. Where her ultimate destination is is unclear. Uh, my theory is that her her first goal is to take take back King's Landing. Uh, do you guys agree? I think I think now that's what she thinks. Right? That's what she's been thinking the whole Game of Thrones series that she has to go to King's Landing. But then I think that, and I, I there, there there have been um pictures leaked online that she'll eventually meet with Jon Snow. What? This is new to me. No, well, not. That's actually new to me as well. But uh, do you think they'll touch touch on that in this first half of this of the season? No, definitely not. This feels like right, right. right. I, I'm I'm just saying, I, th- I, I I also theorize that I think eventually she'll get to see Jon Snow, but in the first half, she has I think the finale the let's say the mid season finale she has to end up in King's Landing. King's Landing. In King's Landing. That, that would good, be a good mid-season finale where the, she like sees Jon Snow. Th- that actually I agree with because um, okay because the Queen's Justice the third episode that actually I uh, that actually kind of could kind of mean two things. Yeah, it could be it could be Danny's it could be Danny's retribution against the Lannisters or it's Cersei's uh, Mad King like justice of burning everything with wildfire. Why not both? Well, both works. I think it's leaning towards more on Cersei than Danny. I mean, like, what kind of justice does Danny? Wait, I'm thinking of it like, are you dealing justice or are you getting served by justice? Because I think Cersei needs to get served by justice. Danny needs to deal some justice. I mean, like, yeah, that both works. Although, although, yeah, because like, okay, because in Danny's mind, it's she's more like she's more fighting against she's more fighting against perceived injustices done to her by the Lannister family. There's no like personal enmity between Cersei and Danny. But but Cersei, you know, literally like literally has committed like mass murder on a massive scale using weapons of mass destruction. And then we also have to consider the Tyrion factor, how Tyrion is advising Danny, and we know how Tyrion's dynamic with his siblings are with Cersei and with Jamie. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. Yeah, like you can probably like imagine like Tyrion saying this line. Fuck the king. Or the queen. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need the female version of that. <laughs> uh, although yeah. Although yeah, there's a lot of scenes in the trailers itself that that show that there's going to be there's probably going to be a, a massive there's gonna be a massive battle between the Lannister forces and the Targaryen forces. Not the Targaryen forces, the Unsullied. Because I think she splits them up, right? They're all still Targaryen forces. Like, no. I mean, like, the Unsullied are fighting the Lannisters. And then the Dothraki are fighting somewhere, someone in the field. I find that unlikely, though. Cause, like, why Based split... on the trailers, of course. No, I just... I find that unlikely. Just uh, uh, military attacks. Why split your forces? Well, why did they show them separately? Because you... You don't... Well, in the, the... Yeah, there's a wide pan where you see a lot of Dothraki in, a, in the green plains... Riding on horses, you don't see any unsullied there. Because and in the other scene, you see like the unsullied raiding a castle. They're also two different. Um, they're also two different kinds of soldiers. One's cavalry, one's infantry. You don't. They don't fight together usually. Yeah, 
So that's why you want to see them in the same yeah, shot. Yeah, that's why they're in separate areas. So, uh, do you, uh, when you said split your forces, do you mean split off in a different physical area or in the same battlefield? Uh, physical area. I mean, like that green pasture area is, is, doesn't really look like it's King's Landing. King's Landing is like a really grassy area. Like it's I guess, farmland. but it's probably outside. It's not really like you could say like the castle and maybe like the fields. But what's there in the actually, fields? Actually, uh, to be honest, that scene where the the unsullied are like raiding a castle that that actually looks like Dragonstone because the soldiers that were opening the gate, they were wearing dark clothing that looked more like Baratheon yeah. soldiers. Or it could be um, Lannisport. I mean, uh, Castle Rock. Yeah, that's true. That's another theory because there's a lot of Lannister soldiers in Castle Rock, not Kingsguard. Not Kingsguard. Although, like, why why attack Casterly Rock? There's no gold there anymore, which is which is a separate plot point that, that kind of gets glossed over, because I remember that apparently the the gold mines in the Westerlands, the which is the the Lannister holdings, they don't have gold anymore. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like really. That's why they needed to win the war because they they don't have money to pay back their debts anymore. And you know what Lannister Lannister say. Yeah, so so Nigel, so there's gonna be two major battles, like both both of them fighting against the Lannisters. I think the Dothraki are also charging against the Lannisters. Mm. I haven't really examined the clip itself, but for sure the Unsullied are charging against the Lannisters. Like, mm, yeah. how's Jamie going to be involved in this? Well, uh, we do see in a couple of scenes in the in the trailer where Jamie's charging across a field of fire with his, with his lance. This actually kind of makes me wonder where Bronn is. Oh yeah, like I'm pretty sure he's like helping Jamie like lead the armies and stuff. Yeah. Now that is a sorry attempt at a siege. Someone needs to teach those sad twats how to dig trenches. Someone certainly does. Oh no. Not me. I'm just an upjump sellsword. You're an annoyance of knights. That's quite a difference. Aye, knights don't get paid. You have better instincts than any officer in the Lannister army. That's like saying I have a bigger cock than anyone in the Unsullied army. I expect to command all the Lannister forces before long. You can be the right hand I lost. What hand? <laughs> you promised me a lordship and a castle and a highborn beauty for a wife. And you'll get all three. A Lannister always Don't pays say it. Don't fucking say it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Jamie, though, guys... Do we really know whose side he's on or whose side he's going to be? I mean, oh, yeah, obviously he's, he's, the, he's the lover of Cersei, but then there, uh, you can tell that there, there's, there's, there's some growing animosity inside of him. I mean, with all that's been happening the past seasons, there are kids dying, you know, and then Jamie turning a new leaf, kind of. Kind of, we, we see another side of Jamie, oh, he's kind of good. And don't you think there's some possibility that, he, that he's going to switch sides and go against Cersei? Yeah, there's the there's also the theory based on Cersei. Well, there's the prophecy that she talked to this this witch girl like earlier previously. Like she talked about how yeah. like she she'll have like three kids, but then like the king will have a lot of kids, a lot of bastards in the way. And then the the prophecy also said that uh, Cersei will die to like a younger brother. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it could. So that's why Cersei really hates Tyrion because like Tyrion's like really annoying to Cersei. Actually, and then it could be Jaime. Isn't Jamie younger than Cersei by like a few seconds? They're yep. twins, right? Yep. And Twin Jamie is younger. Twinsies. Ooh. Yeah, so you could see that ultimate uh rep 
that ultimate swing from Jamie Lannister being a total prick pushing off Bran from the building. Not Bran the Builder, but uh, <laughs> Bran Stark. <laughs> but yeah, like from pushing off Bran from the building and then uh and then just like killing Cersei. That'd be crazy though. Yeah, it actually kind of also if it it'll like cuz if you remember that the reason he's called the Kingslayer is that he killed the Mad King before he could blow up the entire of, entirety of King's Landing. It would kind of be poetic if he would also be the one to stop Cersei from doing the same thing. So that that's like that's just another like narrative thing that would be really good. Yeah, and uh, uh, take note that even though Cersei blew up the the re- the church there with with uh, what's that wildfire fire? with wildfire, like there's still the wildfire cache underneath the entirety of King's Landing. Oh that yeah, that Cersei could still ignite if she wanted to. Yeah, that's what so I thought. So if about. you're going to, there could be still more wildfire and explosions there, just in case. Uh, Cersei yeah. wants to blow up the world. I am pretty sure that she's going to st- she's going to be using wildfire against the against the Targaryens when when it, when the battle finally happens. That's what it, that's that's probably what the field of fire is. Her her using the wildfire. I still think she's gonna blow up King's Landing. I mean, it's 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 such an interesting parallel to King Aegon and the Mad King and everything that he did. Oh yeah, definitely, uh, but. Yeah, but there's actually more than enough to to go around to both use in the battles and still blow up the entirety of King's Landing. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, well, Daenerys is immune to fire, but would she be leading the charge? Would she like be riding a dragon and all that? Is she immune to wildfire though? Any kind of fire. Really? Yeah. Her fire immunity is very unclear. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at least any kind of fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Actually, uh, so that's the first three episodes, and I'm fairly sure that mid-season finale will be the, will be the, will be the confrontation. What about the latter half of the season? How far do you think they're going to go? Uh, let's also, well, so first off, the three, the fir- the based off the names of the three episodes, they'll probably take place in the south. Do you think that they'll touch on the north? on the season I'm pretty sure they must because like when you're casting and shooting you direct the whole team as well oh yeah so I'm pretty sure they'll show some Jon Snow clips towards the end uh you, you want to segue to that part to the north northern section already yeah, yeah. alright alright let's touch on the north right now so like well in season 6 like you see Jon and Sansa like just talking about things and it's a, this is a really interesting clip that kind of like Really, like, tells you what the situation is right now in the north. John, a raven came from the citadel. A white raven. Winter is here. promised didn't he yeah so winter is here Rafi so what what are your thoughts and do you have any theories to share with us I think that scene though is so impactful for a number of reasons one we have the white raven now you know ravens are black obviously but then this white raven is so significant because we I just actually figured out before this podcast that they signify a change in season obviously the the change of season is from summer to winter, and that's so significant because all wait, they skip fall. 
I think that's how it works in Westeros, bro. <laughs> uh. Anyway, they've been showing it. Uh, winter's coming ever since season one. That's been a tagline that's been on in all merchandise and everything. All the trailers, winter's coming, winter's coming. I have been waiting. And I think a lot of all Game of Thrones fans have been waiting for the moment when they finally say winter is here. And I'm so glad that they did it that way last season. Went with such beautiful music, back the 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 strings so good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Also, like, um, it's also a big signifier of that of that the threat also from the north is actually going to come now because the White Walkers thrive in the cold, the cold and dark of the of the of the north beyond the wall. So now that winter's here. And winter is now going to spread to the entire to the entirety of Westeros. The White Walkers are primed to to start passing through the wall now. All right, so let's talk about the wall and the White Walkers. So for sure, the White Walkers are probably going to like break down the wall or something like that. How do how will they like pass through the wall? Will is it like what's that that the the horn the the biblical story where they blow the horn and it it falls down? Yeah, that's that's what I read. Also, like there's this type of magical horn when you blow it. The walls fall down. Is 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 that Jericho? Is yes. is that Jericho? It's Jericho. Yeah. It's Jericho. It's Jericho. The biblical story, at least. Um, but there's actually a couple of theories. The prime one is that it's connected to Bran, Mira, and Brendan, and then Benjen, right? Uh, so the the reason is so Bran is still in his warp form. He's probably he's probably going to have to find. He's definitely going to have to find a way to get. Past the wall and back into and back back into the Seven Kingdoms. However, it's theorized that he's probably going to accidentally um, leave a way for the White Walkers to pass through the wall itself, which is connected to because I'm convinced Benjen is not actually an ally and is actually a servant of the White Walkers because his coming there, his being able to rescue them from the uh, from the from the White Walkers was very coincidental. And Franco? And so, um, so, uh, he's, uh, so, so, it's possible that he's just going, he's going to help them get past the wall, but then figure out a way to leave an opening for the rest of his brethren to pass through. Yeah, just to add to that theory, Nigel, uh, Remember when uh, the night when Bran was warging into the, the the teleporting around, and then like he stumbled across the White Walker army, and then the Night Walker touched him. Wait, not in that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, so he got touched by the, the Night Walker, <laughs> and then and then Bran has his mark yeah. on him. So like that could be like the 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 curse or like the the Trojan's horse mm. that comes in and then once that that mark touches the wall the wall will collapse oh yeah so that could that could be my theory the, yeah that's definitely something that could happen i've also heard some theories regarding if you remember the the starks have this um distant ancestor called bran the builder who actually built the wall can he fix it Anyway, 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 where was I? Brand the builder. Brand the builder. Brand the builder. So, so I, I think it's also um connected to, to how um Bran has these like 
quote unquote time travel abilities. Um, and we we know, especially from what happened to Hodor, that he can affect the past. Yeah, and maybe right, right. And I I think that connects to how um Brand the Builder built the wall. I think maybe something's gonna happen there, and that maybe there's gonna be a small subplot somewhere. Maybe he'll I don't know leave an opening or. Or plant a bomb, yeah, whatever, <laughs> something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, but, but but it's really interesting how all these things connect after a while. Like we heard of Brand the Builder since like season one, I think. Yeah, and when we were kids, we heard of that that the TV show. Sure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. What? <laughs> you don't know Bob the Builder. I know Bob the Builder. I just didn't want to gratify you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not gonna gratify your joke. <laughs> Fine, fine, fine. Uh, yeah. I think he was based off Bob the Builder, though. <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever, whatever. So, yeah. so that's a really interesting dynamic, no? The what's beyond the wall and how it's gonna play a significant part. I I think though that the White Walkers, although they'll be featured more prominently this season than they have been, I think that they're. The, I think their the maximum inf- impact will be felt, either maybe in the last seconds of the last episode or next season, because it's too soon for this season. Yeah, yeah, I get that. They really have. This is basically the final moments of the Game of Thrones. When I mean the Game of Thrones, I mean the struggle for the Iron Throne. So that th- that's probably going to be resolved this season with the final with the final battle between the King and the North. And the incoming Queen of Dragons, so definitely there's going they're going to meet. Whether or not they're going to be friends is up in the air. in In my thoughts, probably not. However, that might change with the arrival of the White Walkers. But I imagine it's not going to be the White Walkers are not going to be make their presence felt for a while. Yeah, so we're probably all on board that Jon Snow will meet uh, Daenerys Targaryen at towards at least the near. That would be a good season finale. Uh, one question for you guys. Uh, for sure, Game of Thrones has a has a habit of killing off characters. What characters do you see uh, could possibly die? Littlefinger. Littlefinger. What, dude? I think he'll die. I really think he'll die. He's hated by too many people to survive. Seriously, the Lannisters hate them. The Starks. Joffrey def- survived for a long time. Yeah, because he was also useless. So nobody saw the point in killing him. Littlefinger is dangerous. And hate it, which is a bad combination. Yeah. Well, I think I will. I'm I'm Team Littlefinger and Team Varys, because I want I, I I support the players of the game of mm. Thrones, and like I really want to see them like on the Iron Throne one time. Yeah. Not not one of these uh mainstream picks that everyone <laughs> says: Jon Snow, Daenerys Stargain, uh. Tyrion Lannister. I mean, like, it'd be too obvious. Yeah, I don't see the Iron Throne being. An issue, an issue for a long time. It's just, it's just my thing is, um, frankly, the Game of Thrones is superfluous. Like, it's utterly pointless because the real threat is coming from the North. And if it's not dealt with, then they're all just going to die anyway. So they have, th- that's, that's Jon Snow's main problem right now. He has to convince the, 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 the cushy, soft south, southerner, Southerners that that a real threat is coming and they have to reunite which is which is which is what he's saying in the trailer itself that 
they used to be friends and now they have now they have to work together because a threat is coming yeah what about you Rafi I think that's that's what makes the storytelling of the show like genius I mean the 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 story the the way the writers write it they make us care so much about the intricate policies what happens in Westeros who dies who doesn't who who becomes who who gets the position of power who i don't know who 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 hates each other basically and then in these special like little moments probably usually it's it's like um in the waning moments of each episode, maybe not each episode, select episodes, you see the threat of the White Walkers. And I think that's also a lesson for us, the viewers, like David Benioff and um, Weiss. D.B. Weiss. D.B. Weiss is like telling us, hey, yo, you ain't seen nothing yet, man. (laughs) You ain't seen nothing yet. There's There's still more. There is still more this this Game of Thrones thing, the wheel. Yeah. When it breaks, it's not gonna break. It's gonna freeze. Whoa, that was deep, Rafi. That was deep. That was really and like deep. this Game of Thrones, man, it's just a game for the throne. I mean, like it's just a game. Like the real thing is about to happen. It's coming from the north. Winter is already here, my friend. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, but then that being said. My prediction for the North will go back to politics. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like they'll probably settle the little finger issue early on in the North in the North chapter. That's actually one of my predictions. So, what are you? Go on to it, Rafi. Let's uh, let's hear it. I mean, if we go from a macro to a micro perspective, we have um, the major players in the North right now are Jon Snow, Sansa Star- Stark, and Peter Baelish. Right. My prediction is centered entirely on Sansa Stark and how she is as a person. And we see we see a resurgence of her character last season, especially in like episode 9 when she finally um defeated or killed her her long-time uh husband/rapist Ramsay Bolton. Our time together is about to come to an end. That's all. You can't kill me. I'm part of you now. Dude, Ramsey's a great actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that scene, like, initially my first thought in that scene was really kind of disturbing because, like, I thought, like, Sansa was pregnant already. Yes, yes. I was afraid for that. Yes. Like, oh, my God, Dude. she's pregnant with Ramsey's Dude. kid. But actually, she's not pregnant, so it's all right. What? She's not? She's not. How do you know? I, I don't know. I, that's, I don't remember that's, reading... No, here's... Re- she could be. Did they ever have sex? Did she got re- raped so many Dude. times. Oh, I may have forgotten that part. Yeah. Here's my thing. Peter Baelish will lure Sansa away from John, and that's gonna be helped by the fact that she is pregnant with Ramsay Bolton's son. Oh, and shit. I think that's gonna mess up her mind again. And I think that's. I I think by the end. I my prediction is. You know what? I don't know what the act- outcome of my prediction will be. Whether Sansa will go with Littlefinger or with Jon Snow. All I know is she's gonna have some major internal conflict within herself, and that's gonna be like super telling of what her uh, character is. Because we've seen her character ever since 
the season one how she she she's been so resilient so brave and then we see a really good resurgence last season so i think this this season will show like you know um who she really is will she will she pick her brother will she pick her her uh her uh will she pick peter baelish yeah, and when you're pregnant, of course, like you can get really emotional, have like lots of mood swings, you character all... swings, opinion swings. You can swing sides, so that could happen as well. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because like last, the I think the last time we see Sansa and John, they were shouting "King of the North, King of the North, King of the North," and like Sansa is like almost expressionless, or she's jelly, or she's jealous. You know, I mean, she might have already have mood swings because of the the baby but I don't, I don't know yeah she has a judgmental rest phase or you know that might not happen at all because well no that is true mood swings are part of pregnancy but you know that's not necessarily going to impair her judgment they might not want to go that route route anyway but it is going to be a big thing like at least like a, on a personal note if Sansa Stark is pregnant with her rapist child I don't know what that's gonna, what that's gonna do to her psyche. But I'm pretty sure she's not. I'm pretty sure. Like I think the actress said she wasn't. Yeah, it might have been an interview. Like I, I'm not. Or either way, yeah. like Littlefinger is gonna work his magic and try to sway Sansa into one side. Also, uh, just just from a logistical perspective, this this is screen time taken. This this screen time being taken away from the main plot, and will not have any direct bearing on like the story around her. So I'm not sure if they'll even include yeah. it. Yeah. So so let's talk about the details of it. So the Knights of the Vale, what are they going to do with them? That's solely centered on what Peter Baelish wants to do with them. Because it, uh, even if the... What's the little obnoxious kid's name? Lord Aaron? Le- oh, the, the the Queen of the Vale? No, the Queen of the Vale is dead. Yeah. Oh, the, no, son. the immature kid. Ah, Robin. Yeah, Robin. Uh, so Robin... Um, even if Robin is the Lord of the Vale, Baelish controls him. So, essentially, Peter Baelish is Lord of the Vale. If he were to die, I'm not sure what would happen because Robin Aaron is kind of a douche. So, I don't know where he's going to go. I'm actually not entirely sure what the succession what was the succession chain for the for the seat of of this of the seat of the House of Aaron is. So actually, Peter Baelish dying would be really bad for the North because then they probably lose support of the support of the Vale. Um, yeah, but will I, I'm curious though. Like, will they ride south to help King's Landing, or will they ride north to help with the Wall? Well, ostensibly, ostensibly, they're allies with they're allies with the uh, with the Stark with Jon Snow, so they. They would probably stay north. They're probably not going to help King's Landing. The Vale weren't allies with the Lannisters in the first place. That remains that remains to be seen, though. Are they really allies with Jon Snow, or is Peter Baelish making it seem like they're allies with Jon Snow? Well, the question is: Is he going to be an ally of Lannisters? That's also another plot point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Jon Snow would probably try his best to convince the Knights of the Vale to join him and fight for the fight with the Wall, fight for the Wall. Jon Snow doesn't need to convince the, the the Vale. Sansa Stark needs to convince Peter Baelish to stay. Yeah. So because the Vale, the Vale, they're there's kind of the more they're one of the more knightly. They're more the uh, what's what's the word? They're they're, they're one the of the Rohan more sh- guys. They're one of the more no. They're not the Rohan guys. They're more chival- They're more like actual knights. 
like chivalrous knights that we're 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 more accustomed to. So they're more they're more bound to to their oaths than most people. So their oaths of loyalty to the House of Aaron will supersede anything that they, what they may think. There's not a lot of like politics there. There because the Lord of the Vale is the one that dictates what they do. So Peter Baelish is completely control. So you have to convince Peter Baelish. I think what's most likely going to happen is Peter Baelish is going to go for the thing that he wants the most. What does he want the most? Power. Iron Throne. I think he's going to want to convince Sansa and Jon to get their armies and go to King's Landing. Yeah, and sort of do what the, the guys in the High Garden did. They just swoop in when the timing is right and save the day. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although, they probably wouldn't do it to save the Lannisters. They'd probably do it to ally. Uh, probably, actually, the way he's going to put it, he's going to tell Jon Snow that he needs to go south to get more allies to fight the White Walkers. That's why he's going to go south. Yeah, that would make sense. Although, and it could also help Daenerys. But, like, I don't really see a scenario where Daenerys could lose. I mean, she has three fucking dragons. Like, who can kill a dragon from the Lannister army? Jaime? Uh, there's actually a, a couple of ways to kill the dragon. Pretty easy because they're so young. I mean, like, how how can they kill one? Would like they have to like aim the crossbow? Is it like in uh, not was the movie The Hobbit where like there was this one guy and there was so much build up to this one arrow? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, if you were to fight a dragon, you'd need you'd need ballistas and a bunch of chain nets because once you take away their power of flight. They're pretty useless on the ground because they're they're not that agile on the ground. You'd have to deal with the fire, but then that would just you just have to get behind it. So because like there's there's a lot of ways to kill a dragon, especially when it's still young. So I don't know if the dragons are gonna be the dragons are terrifying, but I don't know if they're that much of a of a military asset as what uh, that people might think. What are you talking about, man? I don't... I mean... They're not going to show you, like a ballista killing a dragon. And also, you, you, you just uh, described the way in how to capture a dragon, not to kill it. I mean... there. If it's on the ground, you can just stab it until it's dead. If you get close enough. That's why I said go from behind. Can it, yeah. can it breathe fire from its ass? What if it can? <laughs> I mean, it can like breathe fire through the net that you're trying to cast on it. Yeah, but then just go behind it. It's it's hard. It's easier for a dragon to get behind you than you to get behind the dragon. Are, is it is it gonna be able to move when it's chained up in nets? No, I mean like it's hard to aim it at the dragon because you're looking at like giant machines. That's why you have a lot of them. There's like you get hundreds of men to do it. You can probably capture a dragon. There's also the psychology part of it. I mean, when is the last time someone in Westeros seen a dragon? They'll be probably be scared as hell. That's yeah. another thing. The the terror aspect is gonna be a big thing, so you'd have to get past that first. Yeah, I mean, like it's sort of like the Nazgûls, like it's gonna be a like in Lord of the Rings, like what, the fact that when they were screeching, everyone couldn't move; they're like paralyzed by the screeching. I'm pretty sure they're gonna be paralyzed by the fear of like seeing hundreds of people die in like an instant. Actually, have they have we have we seen them kill like hundreds of people in an instant? I mean, they ignited the. A ship. How long did that take? Twenty seconds. It it was like five minutes. They no. spent like three minutes trying to burn down one ship. No, it was just for show. They just wanted to show the flames. Yes, but like I said, they're still young. They're not that powerful yet. They're what? Maybe two years old. 
No, it's been more than two years. How old are they? At least like 60. I don't know. Like Drogon's been going through like temporary tantrums. So he's going through puberty at least. So like at least 12 or 13. So Danny's 13 now? Uh, Not really. Maybe in Dragon Years. <laughs> no, but seriously, they're still, they're, they're barely, they're less than five years old. Definitely less than five years old. I mean, but like, I don't know. Who can stop them? They're not going to show some random dude killing a dragon. Yeah, dude. I don't think age matters if it's a dragon. I, I mean, mean, I, I mean, oh, I mean, of course, like when it's like one or like two years old and they're still small. Yeah, but then when they're this big already. Yeah, it has to be like a trap by Cersei or something. Well, not Cersei. Probably not Cersei. Maybe Jamie, Maybe Bronn. But yeah, like, because like, can it also like... If you have enough arrows, you could probably shoot the dragon down as well. Also, do you really think they'd kill off the dragons before they face off with the White Walkers? Yeah, plot Yes, armor. because plot point, because then they would see that they've killed their best chance to fight against the White Walkers after but the fact. Wait, wait, wait. Do you the tragedy. Do you think it would be re- very epic, though, if there's going to be an ice dragon? Oh! Oh! Or like, or like some resurrected uh, white dragon. Oh! Or like an evil warg dragon that the Night King can warg into. Oh, that'd be cool, actually. My th- my theory is, what if? Imagine this scene, right? Maybe next season, like there's a lo- the the Night's King, right? All by himself, his entire army demolished. Imagine, he's facing face to face with Danny and her dragon. And the dragon blows fire straight into him. And what if it doesn't affect the Night's King? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that make your skin crawl? Oh, my God. Like, it's you can just walk through it. Yeah, dude. I mean, what if? I mean, or it could be a situation where she tells Drogon to, like, attack the Night's King. Then the Night's King just works into Drogon. And Drogon's, like, struggling to, like, try to fight the Night's King within his own mind and then Bran gets in there as well (laughs) (laughs) so it's like like it's some Inception shit where you're like fighting within the mind of a dragon that's like some Professor X stuff man yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) I mean like I like the theory of uh, an ice dragon forming because uh, I played this game recently called uh, Game of Thrones a Telltale series where you play a uh, you play characters from this co- this uh this uh house called House Forester, and then they have this special lore, and then uh there's a bunch of explorers there. Uh, spoilers for the game, of course. So uh, there are a bunch of explorers there that discover this called this place called the North Grove, and it's on in the map to the North Grove is under the Ice Dragon. The fact that they mention the word Ice Dragon means that there could be an Ice Dragon. I mean, sort sort of like Chekhov's gun. They mentioned ice dragon. There's probably an ice dragon. Yeah, that's probably true. Also, because we see that, we see how the Night King, like, actively tries to like pervert, pervert the, uh, our world and raise up parodies of itself. So like how it raises the dead in, into some 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 semblance of life. Yeah, what if a dragon dies and then he raises it? See. All right. See, that's that's why killing a dragon would be like 
pot would be awesome. That's the that's the only reason <laughs> why killing a dragon would be he'd, awesome. He'd have to die. Up killing north. a dragon is inherently awesome because you kill the dragon, dude. He have to die up north, though. That's true. Well, I don't know. I mean, not necessarily. He'll die the down south, and then eventually the the winter will get to the south and they'll resurrect the dragon. Mm, possibly. That, that, I don't know. That's a long path. I don't think they'll do that. Mm. Yeah. Any other theories you want to talk about, or any other predictions? I think Ariel will reunite with Nymeria. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe, definitely. Will Clegane Bowl happen? Clegane Bowl. All right, so Nigel, do some explanation for what okay. the Clegane Bowl is. Okay, so Sander Clegane and Gregor Clegane are some of the more iconic characters of Game of Thrones. Sander Clegane the Hound is a younger brother to Gregor Clegane the Mountain, one of the more loyal bannermen to the Lannisters. Um... They've had an intense rivalry since season one because they hate they hate each other like a lot. So uh so fans have been clamoring for since the since the books were written and since the episode, since the show came out for Clegane Bowl to happen. The final climactic battle between Gregor Sander Clegane and Gregor Clegane. Clegane Bowl. The problem is technically Gregor Clegane is now is already dead. So it kind of can't really happen, but he's been resurrected into this some sort of flesh golem thing that's that protects uh, Cersei Lannister. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to happen, especially if uh, since since Sander is now part of the Brotherhood without banners, um, since they're followers of the Red God, uh, the, the Lord of Light, they're probably going to hook up with Daenerys Targaryen. So if if... Daenerys Targaryen uh, moves against King's Landing. There is a good chance that Sandor Clegane will be able to fight, finally fight his his brother. Yeah. Speaking of the Red Gods and the the Red Worshippers, what about uh, Melisandre? What's her plot gonna be? Do you think she'll be featured at all? Yes. Definitely. Yes. She's uh, she's she she's one of the more powerful, um, more powerful priests of the Red God. Uh, so her, the, the problem is she's now heading away from the action. So I'm not sure in what she's going South in where some action could be. That's true. But she's in the part of the South where nothing is happening. Unless she teleports like Peter Baelish. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Uh, yeah, honestly, like time is weird in the show. Um, so I'm not sure in what capacity she might hook up with the Brotherhood. She might not. I, I do know she's probably not going to go back north again. All right, Rafi, you have any thoughts on the Red Gods or anything? Are they even real to you, Rafi? Do you believe in the Red God? The Red God is everything to me. It fuels my fire. <laughs> Boils my blood. Are you one of the seven believers? Do you believe in the seven or the Red God? The Red God, man. Monotheism. Come on. Monotheism. Monotheism. Also, he's the only one that's actually done stuff. Or not the god of death. Or the drowning oh, god. Oh, that's oh. that's also another thing. But his dead may never die. Valor Morghulis. Yeah, so we have we now have two confirmed uh supernatural beings in in the world. However, the red god is the only one interested. Also, also, big plot point. He has a prophecy that looks like it's going to be completed any day now. All right. Uh, explain the prophecy, Nigel. 
So there is a purported messianic being that's supposed to come into existence, uh, whose name is Azor Azai. Ahai. Ahai. Azor Ahai. Um, so far, there's been two candidates for Azor. There's been a lot of candidates Explain for Azor Explain the prophecy Ahai. first on how like, Azor Ahai can come in. Okay. Or at least what you ex- understand from the prophecy. You don't have to read it word by word. From what I understand of the proce- prophecy, Azor... Because the red god is fighting against the the dark and the cold, he he's, he has this this eternal enemy that he's he's always been fighting against. How and Azor Ahai is supposedly his is supposedly his champion. It, it, the the his uh, I'm not sh- entirely sure if it's like an avatar, but the last airbender. Probably not. Probably not. So um, he's he's supposed to bring this sword. He's he's supposed to bring, um, bring the sword. Uh, all right, okay. all right. He, he uh, he's purported. He's he's actually a historical figure, and he's going to be reborn into this world as and to bring back the sword called Lightbringer, which is a flaming sword. Uh, the problem there's there's a bunch of candidates. There's a bunch of like candidates in the show and theorized by fans currently the two biggest contenders are Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen and uh, Beric Dondarrion <laughs> but Beric Dondarrion is a fan uh, uh, Daenerys uh, has been claimed I don't think Beric is mentioned right in the TV show no Beric's the guy who keeps getting resurrected he's, in, he's the uh, leader of the Brotherhood yeah, the bro- Without Banners he's the leader of the Brotherhood Without Banners Okay, okay. And it's actually shown to have a flaming sword in the trailer. Well, there are two other candidates I'd like to mention Who? for the ones. Well, so let's talk about Lightbringer, the this the two swords. Mm. So I the, yeah, the magical prophecy sword. So Lightbringer, how it came to be in the in the old scriptures was uh So the guy Azora High, he was trying to make Lightbringer. So he stabbed the goat. No, and then he forged it and then he stabbed the goat. He stabbed his wife. No, it didn't work. And then he, he forged it again. He stabbed his wife. And it finally worked. Yeah. So, because you have to kill the one you love. So, that to like, like make the sword turn on fire. And then, like, there's two guys that, like, love love uh, some girl. So, there's Jamie that could love Cersei. So, if you stab Cersei, you unlock it. Oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, there's also, who's that guy? Jonah, Jonah Mormont. If he, Jorah Mormont. If he stabs uh, Khaleesi, yeah, she you unlock it. So, Zero chance that'll happen, though. I mean, like imagine that if you just like stab someone, it's actually like, that sword, or it could be Jon Snow. He kills Sansa, and that long claw. It's not just a blade; it's a key that unlocks uh, Zora High and her death. Zero chance that'll happen, though. <laughs> Maybe Jamie. Maybe Jamie maybe Jamie. I think Jamie's the most likely out of all of those, but then Yeah. The others nah. Other possible other possible choice. If it if it's Daenerys Targaryen, maybe it's a sword that that, that killed one of her dragons, who she loves, and then that sword is Lightbringer. Oh Because shit. it killed her child. Oh yeah, like what if like because, because what if she can't use the dragon to kill the White Walker? Then she kills the dragon so that she can make a sword. Or, 
or uh, a shard of dragon glass, which we know comes from dragon fire. Possibly. <laughs> oh, I thought you wanted. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> honestly, honestly, there's a lot of stuff that's unknown about this, so uh, we can re- we'll only really see it once it happens because both theories work. Jon Snow as Jon Snow as the Jon Snow as the warrior as the as Azora High, Daenerys Targaryen as Azora High, uh, Beric Dondarrion as Azora High. In, in 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 it's quite possible. It's all it's it's a combination of the three, so. It's like all prophecies. It's very unclear until that happens. Yeah. Any other things you want to talk about? Honestly, that's pretty much it. Like most most of the theories over the years have have either been confirmed or thrown away uh, to the beginning. There's not a lot of stuff that's still unclear. But I think that even if they're you know they're not confirmed, confirmed. What I'm sure about is that this is gonna be a kick-ass season, man. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm look. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season. Yeah, I'm also really looking forward to the season too, man. Like, I'd say uh, I'm gonna be watching every episode, probably at lunchtime when it comes out, because <laughs> it comes out like 9 a.m. in the Philippines. So I'll watch it at lunchtime. Uh, other than that, guys, thanks again for listening to the After Credits podcast. Uh, it's been a great show. Like just talking about Game of Thrones again. We'll probably when something really major happens. We'll probably do a review or reaction to that. Uh, other than that, guys, uh, thanks again for coming in. Uh, be sure to check us out at www.aftercreditspodcast.com. Check out our Spider-Man review that we recently released. Uh, yeah, me, RJ, Rafi come in. Good, lots of good energy there. And honestly, we're going to try to upload more often. We'll try to schedule it on preferably Mondays or at least once a week within that area. And yeah, with that, guys, thanks again for listening to the After Credits Podcast. I'm your host, Franco Dajda. Joining me is... Nigel Aquino. Rafi Rodas. And thanks again for listening. See you guys again next week. And enjoy Game of Thrones. See you. Peace. Can't read!